0: Turn with me, if you will, to uh, Romans chapter 13, starting with verse 8. That is uh, Paul's letter to the Romans chapter 13, starting with verse 8. And when you have it, please stand. Romans 13, 8. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Acts and letters to the Romans. That is Romans chapter 13, starting with verse 8. Hear ye the word of the Lord. Owe no one anything except to love one another, for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is fulfilling, is the fulfilling of the law. Besides this, you know what time it is, how it is now the moment for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we became believers. The night is far gone, the day is near. Let us then lay aside the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us live honorably as in the day, not reveling in drunkenness, not in debauchery and licentiousness, not in quarreling and jealousy. Instead, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. God's word for God's people and God's people said amen. The sermon topic today is just love one another. Just love one another. Love is a powerful word. It's one that is used and misused. One that commands our attention, and one that describes our feelings for people, places, and things. I love that woman. I love that man. I love the game of football. Or I love the city of San Antonio, which happens to be the place of our honeymoon. And I love a good meat lover's pizza. Yes. But not only do we use love when we talk about those kind of things, but when we talk about love, we also talk about the deep things. We love the Lord. He heard our cry. We talk about God being a loving God. We use it in popular culture. The poet Elizabeth Barrett Browning wrote a poem titled, How Do I Love Thee? Also known as sonnet number 43. It was written in the 1800s, but it's still quoted today. A portion of it reads, How do I love thee? Let me count the ways. I love thee to the depth and breadth and height. My soul can reach when feeling out of sight. It's a pretty deep love, a deep uh, love that your soul can reach. A more current poet, if you will, also speaks on love pretty popular, if I say so myself, uh, a poet by the name of Lenny Williams talks about love. Girl, you know I I, I, I love you no matter what you do, and I hope you can understand me, because every word I say is true, because I love Yes, yes, a very enjoyable nine-minute song. Lenny Williams speaks of love. He sings of love. The mention of love gets us excited. Love is a powerful emotion. The mention of the word invokes strong feelings, one way or the other. You know, we we think about what we loved and lost. We think about what we thought we loved but really didn't. We think about who we thought loved us but really didn't. (laughs) Love brings things out of us, and that is what the Apostle Paul is talking about in the beginning of the text when he says, Oh, no one anything except to love. We talk about love on that verse in verse 8 a lot. But one thing we often skip over sometimes is uh, the oh no one anything part. See, when Paul is talking about oh no one anything, he's not just talking about an emotional debt. I mean, he is, but there's also an actual physical debt he is talking about. Uh, It wasn't read in your hearing today, but the first half of uh, Romans chapter 13, Paul spends the first half talking about obligations, government being subject to authority and paying your debts, paying everyone what is due, doing what is good, even paying your taxes, all of it. Pay the revenue and give respect and honor to whom all respect and honor is due. Then he says, oh, no one, anything except to love. And there are benefits to loving one another. First off, that love gives us freedom let the church say freedom Freedom. when you pay something off or you pay somebody back don't you feel a lot better aren't you more relaxed when that person comes around it's just something about not owing somebody that makes you feel better cars drive better when the note is paid off when you own something it just feels a whole lot better there's a math equation I like to use in this matter, you ready for it less debt Equals less stress. The Bible says in Proverbs 22 and 7. The rich rule over the poor. And the borrower is slave to the lender. I'm really not interested in being anybody's slave. If I don't have to. So I don't want to owe anybody anything. If I can prevent it. Goes on to say in Psalms 37 and 21. That the wicked borrow and do not pay back. But the righteous are generous, and keep giving. Life is just easier when you don't owe people things. We need to protect our reputation because our reputation affects our witness. I'm I'm, going to say that again. We need to protect our reputation because our reputation affects our witness. How can we tell others about Jesus if we have a bad reputation? Amen? Amen. Second thing about love is love is encompassing. Let the church say encompassing. The New Testament is the fulfillment of the Old Testament, not the abolishment. I'm going to say it again. The New Testament is the fulfillment of the Old Testament, not the abolishment. Paul, the Apostle Paul is referencing what we call the Ten Commandments in verses 9 and 10. He's referencing some of them when he says the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment is summed up in this word, love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is fulfilling, there's that word again, of the law. Right there in the text, the Apostle Paul says it. And if you don't want to take Apostle Paul's word for it, let's see what Jesus has to say about it. Turn in your books to uh, Matthew chapter 22, starting with uh, verse 34. Matthew 22, and starting with verse 34. It's a scripture that had to memorize in order to pass moral theology Matthew twenty-two thirty-four 34 through 40 reads when the Pharisees heard that he and that he is Jesus that they're talking about had silenced the Sadducees they gathered together and one of them a lawyer asked him a question to test him teacher which commandment in the law is the greatest he said to him you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind this is the greatest and first commandment and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself on these two commandments hang all the law and all the prophets. So if you don't trust what Apostle Paul had to say about it, there's Jesus for you. The Christ, you know, since we're Christians and we're supposed to do what Jesus says, it's right there. It's the fulfillment. We tend to look at the New Testament as doing away with the Old Testament Yes, we are under grace, but that does not mean you throw out the other half of your Bible. The word that Jesus used in the Greek for hang also means to fasten. And what does fasten mean? Fasten means to close or join together securely, to fix or to hold in place, not abolish, but hold together. Jesus was basically just cutting across the field. He was making the, the, the message as plain as possible in order to, instead of reciting all 600, law, 600 plus laws, no, just love your neighbor as yourself. And if you love your neighbor as yourself, you'll pretty much take care of the majority of this. You'll be all right. Love is what the prophets and the law hang on. It's encompassing. It surrounds us. It holds us. It circumscribes us. Not only that, but the love that they are talking about in the Greek is the agape, or in some translations, agapeo, love. Uh, Theologian Thomas C. Hoyt said that agape is the mutual nurturing between believers. Nurture means to care for, to encourage the growth and development of one another. One would have to ask, you know, is it nurturing to speak ill of my brother and sister? Are we really nurturing if we, in the way that we talk to each other? Is it the mutual nurturing? Are we really showing that Christian love? We can work on the mutual part later, but we can start working on what we do right now. If others are not being nurturing, it really doesn't matter. If you're nice to them, if you love on them in spite of their behavior, in spite of how they treat you, if you love on them, you will heap coals of fire upon their head. At least that's what uh, Proverbs twenty-five, twenty-one through 22 says. There's really no need to spend much time worrying about what the other person is doing. Because if you spend all this time worrying about them, they get to live in your head rent free. And you spend your time worrying about somebody that really most likely ain't thought about you since they did whatever they did. No desire to live in the head rent-free. Next point is love is more than a feeling. It has an action to it. Let the church say action. Love is more than a feeling. It has actions, tasks, or duties. I can say I love you until I'm blue in the face. But if my actions do not show love then the phrase I love you does not mean anything. When you love somebody you do something about it. When you love somebody you treat them better. When you love somebody you act like you love them. It's action. And if there are those who feel like Nobody loves them. I stop by to tell you that God loves you. And that's all that matters. Zechariah 2 and 8 says that you are the apple of God's eye. God will take care of you. He will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. That's Philippians 4 and 19. The Bible says, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that we may become the righteousness of God in him. That's 2 Corinthians Uh, 5 and 21 God will never leave you nor forsake you and I'm certain about that because that he'll never believe you and forsake you because Deuteronomy 31 and 6 tells me that and I know it's true because God is not a man that he shall lie nor the son of man that he should cause to repent numbers 23 and 19 God loves you and that is all you need and because God loves you he did something about it John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. God loved us, so God gave us a way out of death, hell, and the grave. God loved us, so God gave us a path to eternal life. God loved us, so his son went to the cross hung, bled, and died for our sins and washed them away with his blood and saved us by his grace because he loves us. God loves us, so God did something about it. Amen? Next, love is a debt that can never be repaid. 1 Peter 4 and 8 says, Above all, maintain constant love for one another, For love covers a multitude of sins. No matter what we do, we can never repay the debt that Jesus paid for us on the cross. Song says, Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain and he washed it white as snow. Is there anybody here that's happy That Jesus loved us all enough to pay our debts. Is there anybody glad about the love of Jesus? I know when I think about the love of Jesus and I think about all he's done for me, my soul cries out, hallelujah, thank God for saving me. God poured out his love, according to Romans 5, 5, for us and literally poured it out and provided us with salvation. Philippians 2, 6-7 says, who though he was in the form of God did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited but emptied himself taking the form of a slave being born in human likeness and being found in human form Jesus loved us enough to get rid of his eternity for a little bit and become a human just like us and know no sin so that he could take on all of our sins in human form He emptied himself. Love is an outpouring. Love is an emptying. God poured out himself for us. Jesus emptied himself. To love is to give of yourself. Amen. Yes, it is. I love my children. So, therefore, my children must eat before I do. I love. My children. So therefore I must sacrifice for my children. Jesus loved us. So he sacrificed himself for us. And because of what he did, we can be saved. And that's what Paul is talking about when he goes into the light and the dark and the sleep and the awake and putting on the armor of light. That's an imagery that he's putting together to show believers versus non-believers. We must be believers, therefore we must be children of the light. We are awake and are not sleep because we know about Jesus and the pardoning of our sins. We know about his grace. We know about his love for us and we are to go out and spread some of that love to others. The Bible says in Matthew 5 and 16, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to Father in heaven. I don't know about you, but when I'm in love, I'm ready to tell the whole world about it. When you have something you love, you share it with others. And that is what we ought to do. We ought to tell others about the love of Jesus Christ, the one who went to Calvary for us and got whooped For whooped with a cat of nine tails for love. Carried his own cross for love. Mocked, beaten, and persecuted for love. Hung up between two thieves for love. Nails in his hand. Nails in his feet. Pierced in his side. And a crown of thorns on his head. And took all of it without saying a mumbling word. For love conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, crucified, dead, and buried. And on the third day, early on the third day, rose up with all power in his hand. And because of that love, we are standing here today. And because we are standing here today, we are to tell others. In the name of the Father, the name of the Son, and the name of the Holy Spirit, the doors of the church are open. And we invite you to come.